Okay, with director Anthony Gordon, 12 Shades of Grey is the short film winner of Best Film at the Science and Nature Film Festival. Really, Anthony, this is a film about the great white shark and kind of like the misconceptions and sort of a revisioned uh, kind of uh, kind of a narrative about the shark itself, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great white. And, and again, I'm only a newbie to the, 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 to the ocean world. You know, I spent my life filming uh, in the wilderness and then got an opportunity during COVID um, to film in the oceans. And uh, and that was actually my first experience with the great whites as well. And, and, and it, especially in Australia and Sydney where I'm based, the great whites really got a bad rap, you know, um, and I guess around the world. And I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best shark people in the world through this project. And we learned that, you know what, it's... It is so, it's like the media, you know, it's like they'll report on, on anything bad they can get these days. And if, if there's a, you know, any sort of shark sighting as a result of the Jaws film years ago, it's just this, yeah. this horrible creature. And so, yeah, we set about to maybe change that perspective, I guess. In the Jaws movie was like 45 years ago. Right. And it's still that, that even when I was, when I was a kid, like I was, I, I just, I, it was before my time, but it was like, it was it was like Jaws. It's like oh shark. It's like that's bad. That's a bad. Like that's when you're four years old. That's what you're taught, right? Like that the shark is a bad yeah, animal. Well, it's absolutely. It's like when you you know someone once said to me, you don't question things when you're that age, and uh, you know it's like being taught how to tie your shoelaces. Yeah. That's what your parents teach you, and you just remember that. And unless you're given a reason to think otherwise, you just think sharks are there to kill you. Yeah. And 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 then you watch Shark Week on Discovery and it's all that shark attacks and this, this, this. It's amazing that one creature and it's they're so rare these days get so much so much coverage. But they got the biggest teeth, you know. Yeah. So that's why they get the coverage. It's a beautiful animal. I, I've been to like the aquarium where they kind of show the animal up close, and it's like I guess it takes it eats everything, but it's like it's such a like majestic animal. So it's like a, it's a good antagonist, I guess. For, uh, for yeah, I mean the evolution. the way the way I try to explain it is is let's say these uh, you know, in Australia they call them bikies, so they're guys that ride in bike gangs, okay, and so they're on the outside they look like these evil guys in leather that ride motorbikes and they go around killing people, yet most of these guys are actually doing charity rides, riding you know raising money for children's hospitals and everything else, but you don't see that, you just see this persona that's there. And I think the Great White has been sold that way, you know, like if if you're hungry and you're really hungry, you're going to go and try and eat. And if you're that big and that capable, of course you're going to eat. And, you know, not that there, there's, there hasn't been intent in the past, but yeah. the point is just leave them alone. Don't go out hunting them. They're, they're quite incredible creatures and they're quite essential in the ecosystem. So all we try to do is keep it simple. It's like let's, let's have an opportunity to go with a group of um, explorers from the Explorers Club um, to say, listen, none, no one had seen a great white before, nobody. Yeah. And let's go and just get professionals and non-professionals perspective what is it actually like when you see them for the first time with all these misconceptions in your head and that was it and all you have to do is put a camera at it you know what you need they need they need like a like a, an animation film based on the great white shark and it's like this peaceful happy animal it's kind of like yogi bear for the grizzly bear where like grizzly bears are nasty are like they you know what i mean they're terrible like animals that can kill you but because we have yogi bear it's like oh look at the bear he's so cute right that's what they need. They need that. Well, <laughs> well, grizzlies are far more dangerous than the great whites. They're probably too insane, right? Know. But because they have the cute animals, like cartoon animals, that everybody thinks they're cute, right? That's what they need for the great white yeah, shark. Yeah. Well, that. Well, I've got a five-year-old, and she was sort of brought up with the whole baby shark thing. But again, that's probably just too small. They need that. Yeah, they need that yogi bear. They need the yogi shark. You know, yeah. the yogi shark. Yeah. But 
yeah, it's hard to have a, a you know a cuddly. My daughter's got a, a, a teddy bear that's a shark, but it still got these big teeth that are sort of <laughs> looking at us like we'll, we'll keep, but we're still going to scare you at night, you know? Yeah, like my son has a has a has a shark, but it's like it eats other other fish, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it, it's it's the same as I guess at the end of the day, you know, if if humans, you know, if aliens landed on Earth and humans were portrayed in the way they saw us, we'd probably be more brutal than a shark. You know, um, which is it's uh, it's interesting because I've had the, the pleasure of spending a lot of time with Valerie Taylor, who originally shot Jaws with her late husband um, Ron Taylor, and and she yeah you know, she's been a I guess a sounding board for everything in in the deep, and um, and she actually regrets now having made that film because yeah. back then it was a job and, and she was filming, and now it's like geez, what do we do? So. Yeah, it is what it is. I don't think in our lifetime we'll see the change of perception. But all we try to do with this is you know, get as many people as possible to see. You know what? Just go and look at them. Just yeah. get in the water and be with them. Obviously, you know, if you want to swim in the cage, go in the cage. But it's they're just there. They're not. They're not what people think they are. And that's all. You know, that's all yeah. we could possibly do in a half-hour film. You know. And just to finish before we get to your film, the book. There's a book based on the film, like. And the book is more like from an environmental standpoint, it's a little dark because there's some, there's some infidelity going on with the main character. Some really creepy things happening in the book. <laughs> if you ever read the book, but, but, um, but it's more about like the shark is not the pure evil. It's more that the people are the, are like the, the bad people in the book. Right. But of course in the movie, Hollywood movie, they kind of switched it around and made the shark the bad, the bad character, I guess. Right. So Anyways, it's yeah, interesting, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the whole twelve, yeah, the whole twelve shades of grey was funny because I, I'm really bad with titles. And Jane Jenkins, who was who was on the project with me, who is pretty much best friends with Valerie, um, you know, she she dragged me into the water and said, "You got to come and see these sharks." And and I rang her and said, "You know what? What do we, what do we call this film?" So I don't know what she was thinking at the time or what she was watching, but yeah, she sort of threw up the twelve shades, and it actually came from the fact that there were twelve sharks in the water that we were filming that day. So oh, we're quite lucky. Yeah, so that was only filmed over a two-day period. Um, it's so, a, yeah, it was so kinda, let's it get was, to that in a second. I, want, I just want to get yeah, two days. So basically, it's a, first of all, great title, great tw- title of the film, 12 Shades of Say, so, Okay, so tell me about the film itself. So you directed it. Did you have like a script? To t- like, did you write like a script, like kind of like a blueprint of like what you wanted to say in the film and then went out and shot it? Yeah, with like, the process. It's a good question. So basically everything I've done in invention in the last 23 years, there's been no plan um, because sharks can't read a script. Humans can't read a script. Um, with everything that I do, we literally got invited on um, the uh, Rodney Fox, um, which is the, the only shark boat in the world that will put a cage down to the bottom of the, the seafloor. Uh, and, and the Explorers Club um, out in New York, um, they've got the Australian chapter. They say, listen, we've seen what you've done with land-based films let's see if you can tell the story of the great white by going on a boat with no planning no research no knowledge just turn up and see what happens so literally we turned up in a place called port lincoln in south australia we met um i think 10 other uh, people that were going on a trip they had no experience they just paid to go and see the great whites um you know there was finance guys teachers archaeologists artists they're all there and all of my films are literally winging it we turned up I turned up with my camera gear, microphone. Um, we couldn't use a drone um, because of the protected areas uh, where the sharks were, and, and literally it was all off the cuff, 100% wow. of it. So you shot yeah, it, so and, you, and then in editing you kind of just figured out a narrative in the editing room? 
Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, so I've got sort of an idea in my head, and most of the time it's driven by what I want to know. So I, I hadn't been there before. If I'd done 400 shark trips, then I probably would have a preconceived idea. Yeah. But I know what questions I want to ask. I knew what I wanted to film. And so with all the stuff I do, I'll plan it, shoot it, um, I actually edited most of it on the boat and then came back to my studio, finished it here. And the whole thing was done within sort of eight days. Um, wow. And so, you know, I, I just, I've got the formula. In my, there is a formula there. I can't articulate it too well, but I know what I want to ask. And normally the questions I ask lead to the vision that I'm shooting. So I'll ask the questions first. Then I'll go and try and capture. I mean, the first thing that everyone used to say is it's not the sharks in jaws that scared people was looking out into the blue, knowing that they're there. And so the first dive I did, I got them, I went to the top cage. It just sits below the water. And before they, um, the, before the sharks were coming, I sat there and looked out into this blue with the water, with a light coming through and just the jaws music plays in your head. And I was like, God, oh, man, this is freaky. Right. Because you don't know. And then randomly like on cue, a great white just happens to swim through the frame. It's like, well, Okay, you can't plan that stuff, right? Mm. Um, and so the questions sort of drive what I'm trying to film. But when you go down there, after having the fourth dive, you realise they are a creature of habit and you can kind of look at where you want to film and what you're going to get. But, yeah, the whole thing was literally, like most of my things in adventure, you turn up and you've just got to work with what's in front of you. So it's a lesson to other filmmakers sometimes – in adventure, you can't plan stuff. You just got to let it happen and trust your skill set. Yeah. So you've like you have extensive experience filming underwater. I'm assuming, right? No, no. This is the crazy thing. So I've only been diving for 18 months, right? So I'd, I'd spent a lifetime filming adventure above the surface, and I've done you know series from Mount Everest to deserts to everywhere, and only during COVID because we couldn't go anywhere. Um, basically I, I got invited to become certified as a diver. So I went because we were allowed to go on boats in the water. The government wasn't stopping that. Let's go and try and film in the water because we can. And so I went and got certified. And the moment I put my head under the water, I was like taken away. This is it. I'm, I'm hooked. And so I had no water housing, had nothing. So the first you know pilot show I, I, I filmed, uh, I just bought a housing for my iPhone. And it kind of worked and I had to, it was this steep learning curve. So then, um, you know, I'm backed by Canon in Australia. So they gave me some gear. They let me a water housing and I ended up making two series called Aliquim um, where we gave kids their first experience breathing underwater, which we're continuing with. And so literally I learned from scratch by going underwater in the middle of winter, it started um, to try and film. So I, I, it literally was a brand new thing for me filming underwater and there's a lot of challenges and so it's been kind of cool after 23 years of filming above land to try and figure this stuff out and so okay so you so you tested it out like one time but then okay so for this particular project so you're you're, you're shooting in a you're shooting in a cage then you go down underwater and then you kind of yeah. get into a cage so then you're protected i guess right and then yeah it's a, it, it, it's interesting yeah so you go to you're on the boat you go down in the cage um, normally they'll throw some bait into the water to bring the sharks in the area because uh, they do a lot of scientific research on the boat and you go down to 20 meters um below so it's basically near the seafloor uh, at the neptune islands um yeah. and yeah you're in a cage uh, the doors can open so you know once we got used to what the sharks were doing we could sort of lean outside the cage to get some better angles uh, but the sharks were quite inquisitive, you know, they'd come and 
you know, they'd want to they'd see the reflection in the dome of your, your camera. They'd come up and, you know, sometimes they'd put their snout through the cage and have a look. Um, yeah. you know, super gentle. So, yeah, we just went, went down. We did, uh, I think we did uh, total six sort of one-hour dives to get the footage we needed. Uh, and then there's a cage at the top of the boat at the back, which has a regulator in it. So if you want to at sunset, et cetera, you can just go and jump in the cage. And, you know, a lot of times there's lots of other sea life swimming around that are quite cool. So, yeah, yeah. just that was it. So then do you, like, what, so what, like, so you guys said, like, obviously I'm assuming it's a special camera. Is it you shooting the film? Like, what's the crew that you're working with? Me. Just that was you. it. So, yeah, so I, I shoot, I do all the, the sound, I do everything myself. Because um, I enjoy it. Uh, the camera, again, it's, it's not a fancy camera. It's just a, one of the Canon DSLRs, a 1DX Mark, Mark II um, and Mark III. So just the normal DSLR camera in the housing. Uh, it's not even a, a special scuba housing it's just rated to 12 meters um so you know we did push it a bit to get to 20 meters but it held up all right um it, it's more you know when you're making films it's not about i've always found it's not about the gear you know most of the most you know most cars will go you know if you're in a ferrari going 60k an hour you you might as well be in a toyota they all do the same thing it's how flashy you want to look at it on the outside and so i've always based my stories on what's happening in front of the camera, not the gear. All the cameras these days will do relatively the same thing until you start pushing, you know, the lighting and you need more grading and everything else. But all this stuff about the only grading I did for the film was just remove some of the, the blue light out of it because as you get below 10 metres, there's no reds anymore. Yeah. A little bit of colour correction, but that was it. All of it was as you see it out of the camera. Um, and, you know, and the cameras are now about four or five years old. So there's no super high-end stuff. You know, the Aquatech housings we used... You know, they're not they're not expensive. It, it, I rely on the storytelling rather than the equipment, if that makes sense. So I did the whole lot and I edited it here um, and distributed it myself through my distributors and then obviously with Film Freeway for the film festivals. But again, I've only ever, it's only the second film I've ever put in 23 years on um, in film festivals because it had more of a social conscience, I guess. Okay, so you usually like so then you you took the, like you said you have a distributor so it's like it was shown somewhere in Australia is that like you have like a certain deal with somebody or yeah so what I do is with with the the ocean films I make there's um, I obviously entered in film festivals and as a result of the success we've had with those uh, broadcasters uh, around the world like take the content gotcha uh, and then either put it on TV put it on airlines etc so. Um, and also you can try and make some revenue from it because in this case, the film was more of a, I did it for free because I wanted the experience of diving with a great white. Yeah. Well, I think that, that was, yeah. I honestly, I think what you shot is like, it should lead you to other work, right? Like it's some pretty amazing footage you got there. It's, it's interesting, you know, especially in the world of adventure, um, when you when you have success with these things, it doesn't necessarily mean you know the phone rings or the emails keep rolling in. You know, you, you've it's it's what you do with the success. And I I do a lot of talks with with film students about this. It's you can get that success, but then you've got to work out what to do sure. with that. I mean, I did have you know, I did have three or four calls for people saying, "Hey, you've done this. You want to come and you know and shoot yeah. on our on our films, etc." But I tend to not just hire myself out as a cameraman. I like for me out of the whole process, I actually love sitting here editing because that's where the magic's created. Um, it's just that I couldn't find other people that shot the style I liked. So I go out and shoot it and do the sound and then 
edited here. So it, it's 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 because I couldn't find other people to do it. And Australia is quite a long way away from anywhere. Um, and most of my buddies that shoot really well are in you know, North America and China and those places. So yeah, yeah it's it's necessity is the mother invention. You know, I just I do it all myself now because it just seems to be easier. Not not necessarily, but yeah, it's not a guarantee that the phone just rings. You still got to work at it. Yeah, I wish it did. <laughs> So I understand basically what you're saying is that like, it's like you got the ball and basically you got to do something with the ball because it's like, it's going to, someone's going to take it from you pretty quickly. Right. So there's, there's a certain yeah. time frame where you have to take advantage of your success, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and success is all relative too, because when you, when you look at the oceans, it's such a niche area, you know, it's like trying to get lacrosse on ESPN, right. Loads of people love following it but you're still in this small area. And, and the crazy part about this was the, the day that the film was finished here, yeah. the first time since 1972, a guy got eaten an hour from my house by a great white. It hasn't happened in, you know, 30 or 40 years. And so all of a sudden people say, oh, you can't launch the film now because people got, it's like, well, now's the perfect time because if you look at the math, the guy just unfortunately was in the wrong place. And yeah. so, you know, it's a controversial subject too. I mean, people that love the ocean, we get it. But the people that don't, you know, it's like, oh, another shark film, you know? So it's, it's a. I understand what you're saying. It's like, a, it's like a flooded these. market, but then, but you're, you're having, you have a different point of view on the flooded market though, right? You're showing the lens. The lens is a, is a different point of view, I guess, right? Correct. Yeah. And that just takes a while to, to get through to people. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it, it takes, you know, some of the, some of the projects I've done in the ocean when I started a year and a half ago, only now are people are going, wow, this is great. You know, and so well, I've been knocking on your door for a year and a half. Um, but it's a matter of how you connect all the dots together. Uh, what it has done though, is it started conversations, right? So a lot of people invited me to come and talk about it. And I'm saying, look, I'm a storyteller. I'm not a shark expert. But what I learned from this as a firsthand experience and the others learned, if everyone else would just take that perspective, maybe it would mean that things would be better. That's all, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's a hard one because all the environment, all, all the ocean films you see are either half naked women at free dive, which is not bad <laughs> yeah. or, or conservation films. And, and as you know, when you've got kids, if you tell them not to do something, what are they going to do? They're going to go and do it. So for me, it, it's, all I wanted to do is tell stories from a first-hand perspective going, you know what, just have a look and you'll discover something different. That's it. You know, you don't have to be a scientist to, to learn that. Well, the amazing thing about the ocean, well, it's, it's because it's like, well, it's two-thirds of, two of our planet, but it still hasn't been 100% explored yet, right? Like we're still people like the, with the technology now and people like yourself, like there's more to explore with the beautiful ocean, I guess, right, too, right? You know, what's crazy is when um, when I was working in the States a few weeks back on a project, we had a, a wonderful meeting with one of the professors at, at Harvard University because they wanted to get involved with the initiative we we're doing with kids in the ocean to try and inspire more kids in the US to get to get wet, right? And they were trying to, to partner with us on a few things. And the professor said to me literally last night, he said, you know, I'm the only oceanographer in the entire faculty of Harvard that's why I'm trying to push this. So you've got one of the greatest educational institutions on earth mm. and there's one guy, yeah, one guy that believes in the ocean, yet all the other physics departments and science departments revolve around what life is generated because of that ocean 
yet there's one person pushing it. So that kind of explains the microcosm of what it's like to do this stuff. Um, and but you know what? Hey, like I like it because it's a challenge. You know, no one's done it this way, so let's try and push the boundaries. You know, if someone yeah. doesn't do it, no one will do it, right? No, that's that's the whole point. Like it's like they're like it's so, what you just described there is is amazing because it's like there's just so much like it's so much a part of us, right? There's so much, to, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's interesting what we're interested in, I guess. Well, people like, people just assume it's like that whole, you know, I had a background in the emergency services and this whole diffusion of the responsibility. It's like, well, someone's going to take care of it. Well, maybe they won't, right? And so, you know, the, the successes we've had in the ocean isn't because what we're doing is mine, is earth shattering and we haven't had, you know, BBC's Blue Planet budget. You know, we've had no budget. But the fact is, all we've done is turn the camera around on us yeah. as a species. And we're the species in the ocean. It's not the shark. And all we did with 12 Shades is say, you know what? We're going to let the sharks have a voice through the people who've never seen them before. That was it. It's just a simple process. And, and that's what seems to be resonating with people. And what we've said to some of the partners in the US we've been talking with is, don't complicate it. Just keep it real simple. Just put your head in the water. You know, Valerie Taylor said to me, you know, she's, she's been yeah. the, you know, the, the grand lady of the oceans for years. I said to her, yeah. Valerie, you know, what would you do now? Like, if you had a choice right now, what would you do? She said, you know, I started when I was 12 years old and I built my own goggles because they didn't exist. And I went swimming off a beach in Sydney and I saw a bit of kelp just moving backwards and forwards. If I hadn't seen that moment under the water, my entire life would have been different. And so she said, if every kid could just put their head under the water once, it makes a difference. And that's all we were on the journey to do. If, you, if, if every person can just have an opportunity or go to an aquarium, just sit in front of the tank and watch the sharks for like a minute. Yeah. It makes an enormous difference and people just don't realize that. And so what we're doing is just trying to be that change through simplicity. We're not trying to start a foundation or regrow coral reefs. We're just saying, you know, just go and get wet. It's a pretty cool experience. And it seems to be resonating, you know, um, but once this journey in the ocean started, because my wife's seen these other passion projects I've had, she looked at me and she said, are we doing this again? I went, yeah, we're doing this again. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that's unique. And I guess once, you, once you're a parent, it changes the perspective as well, right? Because you realise the world that your kids are going to inherit. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's like you said, there's like it's an infinite, an infinite amount of stories that you can tell from the environment yeah. to, to the animals to what's happening. Like you said, it's the human involvement. It's like it's the influence that the humans have on the ocean, I guess, too, right? So it's like there's, yeah, so, look, many, we, there's we, so many stories. So correct. And and also we 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 went to some big aquariums for the US and we were we were talking with them and we were seeing these amazing massive films screens they're putting up there, but they're showing pictures of fish. And even when we we're at Harvard, they had great pictures of all what's happening on the bottom of the ocean. And we said, listen, what you need to do is just to turn it around and show. People won't aspire to be fish. They want to aspire to be divers. Yeah. So let's turn the camera around on us and see what we look like and what we're doing in the ocean. And, and every kid can go, hey, I can be that diver. Or every adult can go, you know what, if I want to, I can fly to South Australia, spend a bit of money, go on a boat, and I can be inches away from a great white. And I can get that experience. It's that simple. But people have never had the camera turned on them before. It's always been pointing forwards, you know. And invariably what you see in the brochures is not what you see when you go into the ocean. So Yeah. No, it's interesting what you're saying. It's like it's sort of like somebody exploring the jungle and you're always showing the person's yeah. point of view. But I guess that I guess in the ocean movies, all you're seeing is the animals itself. So yeah, it's a really interesting point that you're making. 
So what did you think yeah. about our North American audience uh, sending you the feedback? What would you think of the feedback video that you got? <sighs> Man, seriously, I've been doing this for 23 years. That blew my mind. Um, number one, when you're a filmmaker, you forget that people watch for starters, right? You, you forget that. But um, the, the films have entered in, 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 the, in, in festivals. We've won a lot of awards. But it's insignificant when you don't know the audience, especially when you're on the other side of the world, and especially during COVID when people can't go to cinemas a lot, only starting to come back. And and when I received your short clip, I mean, I, I tell you the truth, it almost made me cry because people give you perspectives that you're not aware of because you're so close to the situation. And, yeah. and your festival is the only one on earth that we've, you know, that, that we've had anything close to that. It, it was mind-blowing. And it gave me a way to share that to other people. So, you know, it's not just our closed audience that gets this the world actually it resonates with it it's quite daunting and, it's, and in the other respect it kind of scares me because it means well now you have a responsibility to keep doing it you can't just pretend that no one's watching you know yeah. um and when people like that give you that narrative you almost feel compelled to honor the efforts that yourself and your festival does in order to keep doing this thing um and so you know as i say with great power comes great responsibility it's a little bit of power you had over people to change their views and now like wow what are you going to do with it so if i was on the verge of not wanting to continue in the ocean and go out that as a result of your festival was enough to keep me in the ocean so it's fair to say that the next ocean film that comes out of it could have been inspired from your festival in that way which is kind of cool oh thank really you cool, so much actually. so but you're you know, like, really cool. i appreciate what you're saying it's like it's the, the, use the analogy it's like it's like the the fish are the is the filmmaker and the scuba divers are the audience and we're turning the camera on the audience like how you described it right yeah. like oh man it, it's seriously i it, yeah. it's i mean i hate to it's it's fucking crazy like i i looked at it and thought okay here's a festival sending me a link let's have a look and i was like whoa and literally everyone that i shared it with they watched it you know when you share stuff and you put it out there you normally get you know the first 30 seconds people watch, people watched everything and then they'd come back to me and i had lunch with one of the guys that was in the cage with me yesterday and he laughed. He goes, you know, I thought I was an expert. I said, well, there you go. The power of film, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it, it really resonated with people. And actually tonight I'm doing a talk about the film, The Explorers Club in Sydney. Um, and I'm going to show that and say, look, this is what the rest of the world thinks. Oh, so, cool. you know, because the, the, they're going to, well, I'm going to use that to entice people to go on the boat again next year because I get a chance to, uh, I guess, to film it again, which is hard because I don't know if I can, what you can do next, but, you know, maybe it's like the McDonald's principle. You just keep doing the same thing over again and people enjoy it. So uh, I'm going to use that as a tool to say that, you know, this is what we can do next year as well and get people to go on the trip, you know. And um, But next year I'll wear a thicker wetsuit because it was bloody cold down there. <laughs> so your your next film is that you were talking about, like you're, you're partnering with Harvard University. You mentioned Harvard before. And you're trying to do uh, films about kids and scuba diving, I guess, right? Like getting kids yeah, so, in so the water in the ocean. Correct. So what we do, we, we've got a, a film um, called Aliquim. And what it was is we, um, by sheer chance, we saw a kid have his first experience under the water. He was a 13-year-old boy in Sydney and blew his mind. He came up to us in the car park afterwards and said, that changed my life. And so Jane Jenkins, who I was with, who I did the shark film with, said, listen, maybe we should make a series just to show people kids having their first experience under the water and make a, make a whole lot of segments, make a film out of it. So we did that. And so far, um, it won the Cannes Film Festival a few months ago in April, and it's won 20 international awards simply by 
turning the camera on the kids. The whole thing is narrated by the kids. Uh, and it's got sort of worldwide recognition now. And so um, the professor at Harvard wanted to speak to us when we were there saying, listen, we, we want to get kids in the ocean so more people come and study this. Yeah. And we met with the Aquarium of the Pacific in Los Angeles um, in Long Beach, and they want to do the same thing. How do we get kids in the ocean just by giving them the opportunity to go scuba diving? So we're now in that third round process of trying to get the funding to build this on a global scale, not just do it in Australia. So dealing with the East Coast, West Coast, Japan and Australia to try and get Aliquim 3 happening to show the world what happens when kids actually get to breathe underwater. It's insane. It's, it's, it's complex to film with kids, but wow, 100% of kids have put their head in the water. Mm. It's, it changes their lives. And if one, only one of them or one kid sees it, that can change the ocean over the next 20 years. It's the long game. So that's that's where yeah. we're aiming to I do. see what, so, yeah, you know, totally. It's like I'll give you, I'll, I'll, like, so my my six-year-old daughter is kind of afraid of the water a little bit because because COVID yeah. happened, she didn't get to do the swimming lessons and now we're trying to get her back. Yeah. So what what suggestions would you have to for a six-year-old trying to, like, get her back comfortable with the water? You know, that, that's, a, that's an awesome question because my daughter just turned five on the weekend and the same deal. She was away from swimming lessons for, yeah. you know, six or seven months and so and then of course now shark week started and i'm watching all this stuff and so she's starting to watch it on tv i'm thinking is this good it's not good and what we started to do we, we took her to the pool and we just got her to put her feet in the water and splash around and that's all we did and the fact that they get that sensation of water and that feeling again within sort of five or six minutes she wanted to jump in and it's like okay, when you want to jump in next step is how do you you know do you want to put your head under the water Okay, well, maybe not. Well, let's let's just pretend there's stuff at the bottom. Let's have a look at what's there. Mm-hmm. And they put their head under the water and realize this is kind of cool. It's a sm- small process. And, and when we take the kids scuba diving, they've got to be 10 years old. Um, but first of all, we get them comfortable in the wetsuit so they're buoyant and we go get, they go snorkeling. And they get used to looking around. And after about, because kids, they get bored so quickly, after about 15 minutes, they go, well, can we just go and put a tank on now? And I want to go down to that seahorse. I want to go down to that yeah. octopus. And they um oh man like when they come up it's a different person and their parents then resonate that story and the parents go literally this was the most amazing experience and i get emails from hundreds of people now saying my kids just it's changed their world they're they're calmer they do their homework all of these things happen why they just put their head under the water it's not like they're breathing any sort of wacky shit right they're just breathing the normal you know tank mix and it has that effect. And so the next level on, we got invited to, to um, film an experience where they had people with spinal cord injuries learning to dive. And that was extraordinary because gravity's against, you know, paraplegics on land. When in the water, they get their legs back. And yeah. again, that process of, is just extraordinary. It gives you a perspective of how lucky you are in your own life. So the water transforms and all we're doing is giving the stories of that through the people that are doing it and it seems to work yeah well that makes a lot of sense what you just said well thank you for answering that i appreciate that that was a self-serving question right oh, there pleasure. <laughs> and i uh, appreciate no. your time and uh congratulations on the well film. thank you guys thank you for the work you're doing and, and what you've done is is is, is literally changed my world uh, and i never expected that so yeah thank you for giving me the enthusiasm you know probably the moment where i'm like oh, i don't know if i want to keep doing this so you know, you've, you've done your job and and uh, and also, you know, the other films you're promoting as well. I'm sure it, you know, it's fantastic. So thank you. 
Thank you. Well, I appreciate those kind words. So let's, well, let's talk again when you make your next film and we show it. Fingers crossed. All right. Thank you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hi.